Hi friends, welcome back to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. And we're on this amazing journey through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And today we're beginning Genesis chapter 4, a series of maybe five or at most six short studies working through this chapter, which is episode 253 overall, or part 184 of season 2 in our daily visits together. And I've called this work of Genesis chapter 4, long chapter, God works naturally and supernaturally. And uh, that's what we're going to consider together over these next few days. So, just begin by setting out my position. Clearly, God works supernaturally. He created the heavens and he created the earth. I also think God acted supernaturally in the story we've just covered when he gave Abraham a child through Sarah, even though she was well past childbearing age. We know of other events that we'll come across later in our time together, like God parting the Red Sea. Again, something done supernaturally. I have no doubt at all that the Bible records repeatedly and repeatedly and it demonstrates that God works supernaturally. Uh, so therefore God goes through both natural means and supernatural means to bring about his will. But if we focus too much on one of the ways that God works, we may in fact miss the blessing of seeing him work in the other way. You see, God is often at work in some subtle way through natural means and we need to be able to recognise when that's happening as well as also acknowledging when God works by supernatural means. We need to recognise both these events, these type of ways that God works. But what do they look like? How would we do that? What are we able to know, or what do we need to know to be able to see God working, well, particularly, first of all, in the everyday? See, sometimes if we pray for a miracle and that prayer is answered, we rightly praise and acknowledge what we have seen God done. But sometimes I think Christians fail to see God working in the little things, the little step-by-step things. And when we put that together and add those things up, they create a really big thing. And I would contest that many times such a thing is just as miraculous as the things that we see as taking place perhaps in a single point in time. So how can we be sure we don't miss the miraculous in the everyday? Well, this is one of the greatest illustrations of these principles in Scripture contained here in Genesis chapter 24 we're going to look at. Now, there are 67 verses in this chapter. In fact, this is the longest chapter in the whole book of Genesis. It's significant because any time an author is writing something and he gives an inordinate amount of space to one subject, we can see that well, we can probably tell from his point of view what he was writing or talking about. He clearly felt it was important. One good way to figure out the importance of what an author is writing is to try and talk about is to look at the amount of material he gives to any one particular subject. In this case, the subject that is great, given a great deal of time and study to is the marriage of Isaac and of course the finding of that suitable bride. So apparently Moses when he wrote this down thought that these things were important 
And I think because of that, we too need to pay attention and give them some importance. What we're going to do together over the next five or six episodes is walk through this passage, the entire chapter, and try and understand what's going on here. But to give you some kind of overview, it starts with Abraham coming up with a proposal to get a bride for his son Isaac. He then gives that responsibility to his most senior servant and most of the chapter is taken up with what that servant did and how he applied that proposal, if you like, how he worked it out. So first the servant comes up with a plan to find the right bride for Isaac and then after he finds her he has to go and ask permission of her family for her to go and come back with him to marry Isaac. So these are the three basic parts of what we will be covering in this chapter. Abraham comes up with a proposal, his servant comes up with a plan, and the parents of the bride give their permission for these these things to happen, and that's sort of the outline of the entire story. So let's begin now to look in a little more detail with the first couple of verses, the first four in fact where it tells us that Abraham was now very old and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not get a wife from my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but you will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. So that's the first four chapters, the first four verses rather of Genesis 24. And we need to pause there, right there for a moment. Because as I mentioned, Abraham's proposal is simply for his servant to go back to the land that he came from and to find a wife for his son. It starts off by telling us that Abraham is now an old man when this happened. So he calls his most senior servant in and says, put your hand under my thigh. Now that might strike you as a little strange, but Bible experts will tell you that this is all about the making of an oath, and might today be something like putting your hand on a Bible or raising your hand to take an oath. The fact that he is seen to say to put it under thigh, experts say that's to do with uh, being near his loins, and commentators would point out that this is a reference to the promise of his descendants. He's swearing on the promise that is made. So Abraham is aware that this is important because this is about God promising him that he would have lots of descendants. But at this point, he has his son, Isaac, who has not got a wife. So how is he going to produce descendants? So he gives the responsibility to the servant to go and find a wife for his son, Isaac. Now the Bible says in the New Testament that if you're a believer, you ought to marry someone else who believes, and that you ought to be careful not to marry an unbeliever. I wonder if it's going to be different here. Well, we'll find out tomorrow as we continue to work through this chapter together. Anyway, that's it. Bye for now. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't forget, there's always a transcript available on any audio version of this podcast you might be listening to. But other than that, we'll see you right back here tomorrow. Bye-bye for now.